includes honor, loyalty, character. Hello and welcome to the Long Green Line podcast. Today I'm honored to share two conversations I had with members of the Fisher family. First with John Fisher, who was a runner and participated in the film, and the next one with his mother, Peggy. John was born autistic, but that never stopped him from training hard and giving 110% to his teammates. I like to think of John as the heart of the movie. He coined the phrase, cross country is like life. And that metaphor really captured the legacy of Joe Newton so perfectly, and that's why it's featured more than once in the film. Later in the episode, we speak with John's mother, Peggy Fisher, and hear about her experience as a two-time York cross-country parent. Enjoy these conversations with the Fisher family. How are you feeling, John? Uh, a little nervous, though, because I'm not used to do- doing this, uh, all this technology. It's a little, it's a little, little nerve-wracking. Okay, this is the second time you've done a filmed interview, huh? Second time, yes. So, John, you ran cross-country at York, is that correct? Yeah, it's correct. And when did you start running at York? 2002. So you started running in 2002, and you were a freshman? I was a freshman at the time, yes. I was entering my freshman year. And how did you find out about Joe Newton? My brother Joe, he was a, he was a cross-country runner. Do you remember the first time you met Mr. Newton? Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was the summer of 2002, uh, just, just before, I was just, it was just right after eighth grade, actually. I, I, was, uh, I, ran, a, I ran a race, uh, enter, uh, it was one of Joe Newton's uh, races, uh, open races. And then he saw you running, and what do you remember about him? Uh, well, he, he's a nice guy, though. I mean, we never talked along, though, but I didn't t- not until uh, not until I got to summer camp, though, entering my freshman year. And what do you remember? Just so you know, it was a long time ago, though. I'm still trying to remember much, but all I can remember is how, it's, how his words were so inspiring now and all the workouts, and he always had a good sense of humor, too. Do you remember any jokes that he told? In all honesty, no, I don't. Okay. What do you remember about your senior year? Well, I was going through a, a little difficult time that my junior year, my, my grandfather just passed away and it was, it was, it was hard though, because he was, he always came to my races a couple times, my brothers too, and yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty much hard on all of us, my, my, my family, everyone. Do you remember being close to the top seven that year? Came close. And what do you remember about it? Just trying to stay in the top 12, that's, that's all I can just do, just try to help out as, as, as much as I could until my name gets called up. And did you ever see the Long Green Line movie? I did. Where was the first time you saw it? Uh, when, when, it first came, when it first came out though, like a, like a, film, a film watch, and then, and, then, and then when it came out in theaters. And what did you think of it when you first saw it? It was, fun. It was, a, it was a very interesting documentary. It was inspiring, though. Especially, you watch it? Have you have you watched it recently? Not as much now these days. It just it just I never had the time now these days. I'm I'm working a lot and I've been hitting the water most of the time. I do a lot of jet skiing now these days. Oh, cool! Do you jet ski on a lake or an ocean? Tampa Bay. Very cool. And so, do you remember the the famous quote that you had in the movie? I do. I haven't forgotten. It's. Cross country is like life. What does that mean to you? Well, to be, in all honesty, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I just, it just, it just felt like it was life. 
Okay, so cross country was 2005, the last year that you ran cross country, or did you run after that? I, I ran after that. I, I did two years over at College of DuPage. Uh, my first year, though, uh, took took ninth, though, uh, took all took all American honors, and I ran with uh, with fellow runner uh, John Fry, who, who was two years older than me. He was there at the time. Uh, he was the net, he was the junior national champion. We were, we took home second place. Uh, my first year, and then second place uh, my second year, took first team All-American honors. Was Marchese and Jones on the team too? Uh, my second year, they were, yes. Was it weird being on the team with them again? A little bit. I mean, but it, was, it was great to have them, though. They were great teammates. So how did running in college compare to running in high school? Well, it's, it's, running in college is a little harder. There's a lot more mileage, though. Um, it was... It just kind of got to the point my my body. I just had to listen to my body. It was just wear and tear on your body, though. Does that mean your your legs were getting breaking down? And yeah, they were starting to break down. My my calf muscles were starting to were starting to hurt, though. It's just from all that running, though. And yeah. So cross country is like life. So let's hear what John Fisher's life has been like since sports ended. What have you been doing? Well, I'm currently working in a warehouse right now. Uh, I'm a forklift operator. I like it a lot, though. I like it a lot. I, just, I put stuff away most of the time. Unload trucks, and then on my free time, I spend most of my time with my nieces and nephews. But the one thing I like to do with them is I take them jet skiing a lot. Though I'm, I'm currently a member of a the Liberty Jet Ski Club. It's the first of its kind down here. I go every Saturday and Sunday. I go out on the water, and uh, just recently, whenever I'm out there, though, I, I just go and explore the bay. I see dolphins most of the time, just exploring pretty much the whole Tampa Bay area. So what is a jet ski club? Does that mean you don't have to own a jet ski? Yeah, you just, basically it's you, you just it's hassle-free. There's initiation fee. Uh, you don't have to pay so much every month, though. And so you go out like twice a week twice or twice a weekend? Pretty much every weekend, actually. And so you have nieces and nephews down there. Is that uh, Joe's kids? Um, my sister's kids, too. Joe was a runner, too. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And he was in the movie, and he told his story about the candy? Yeah, that, 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 that was one stupid mistake he, he, he never made again. Yeah, he, what he did was stupid, and he lived up to it. You want to just describe once again, so for the podcast, what, what the candy situation was? Uh, it's, a, it's a little vague. This was a long time ago, though. I don't remember much, though, because I wasn't there, because I, I was still pretty young. I was in middle school at the time, though, when it happened, though. I was only entering sixth grade when it happened, though, so I don't know all the details, though. Okay, and what did you learn from Mr. Newton that has helped you in your job? Just a positive mental attitude, work hard, yeah. And do you show up on time every day? Yeah, I do, every day. I'm, that's one thing, always getting up Always getting up early, trying to trying to try to get ready, and then just race right out the door. And so you're always on time, and you always work hard, and you always do your best. Yeah. And do you tell people at work about Mr. Newton ever? Not not often. No, I never. I just it just never came up. Never came up though. Do you have any advice for any any young people who are just starting out at York Cross Country? Yeah, just to keep working hard. Keep working hard and believe in yourselves. Don't think in, the, in your head, think in your heart that you can do it. Nice, and do you run anymore? Nah, I, I, try, I try to do some running though, but it's just, it's just really hard on my calf muscles right now. It's 
So jet ski is more fun. You can run. You can ride faster. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, the other day actually, I I went I went to a place called Pine Key. Actually, it's my first time now seeing it. That's down in the Keys, right? You didn't uh, take a no, jet ski it's, there? it's in the Tampa Bay. Actually, it's right. It's right next oh, okay. to McDill Air Force. It's right next. To, it's right on the Hillsborough Bay. It's right in, right next to McDill Air Force Base, and then. And then, and then I drove all the way to St. Petersburg, uh, and it was it's, it's it's really nice. though. the sky, you can see the skyline from the from the water. It, the city looks really nice from the water. Is that all on the jet ski? All on the jet ski. Yep. Oh, cool. So tell me, what kind of jet skis do you ride? Yamahas. Yamahas. How many people can you sit on one of them? Uh, we can only do like one one passenger at a time because of because of the weight limit though. Because we put too much, if there's too many people on it though, it can cause uh, it, because there's a weight capacity though. Ah, does that mean two people are allowed or just one? Just one person at a time. No, it's safety reasons. But the kids are okay. The kids are okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, but do they they don't have to get their own jet skis. Uh, actually, they're not old enough yet to drive though, because because uh, there's there's an there's an age requirement though. So tell me about the company you work at. It's a national distribution company. Uh, they sell wine and liquor. So you're 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 moving around pretty important stuff for some people, huh? Yeah, we have like we have like our busy months though. Uh, November December is like our the most busiest months though. Christmas, Thanksgiving. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's Day, Fourth of July, pretty much all the holidays. So where wherever they wherever they, wherever people go to parties and have, and then where they have where there's liquor. And are you in touch with anyone from the team? I got to talk to Eric and Matt Detman last week. Um, not as not as much these days. So pretty much everybody's pretty much either married, have kids. But yeah, I do miss them though a little bit. There is one person I do still stay in touch with. I talked to Brian Marchese just recently. And how's he doing? He's good. We talked on the phone once or twice. All right. Oh, um, another guy I also forgot to mention. Um, he, he was a thrower for uh, for York, actually. Uh, Rob Van Reet, he was a member of the class of 05. He was one of the uh, original Group 6 guys. He lives down here. I saw him last year, though. Haven't reached out to him recently. I've been so busy. Okay. And did you get, have you been back to York since you graduated? Uh, last time I was there was, uh, was just, just before the pandemic hit. And what, did you visit the team? I did. I just came there to say goodbye to, to Mr. Kern, letting him know that I'm, I'm moving to Florida. Yeah. Didn't want to leave without saying goodbye to him, how he meant, how much he meant to me as well. That's, that's a good thing. And then, um, do you remember where you were when you found out Mr. Newton passed away? I was living in Westmont at the time. I was sitting at home. I was scrolling on Facebook, and then all of a sudden, I just saw a post and saying, "What? No!" I was shocked actually when when Mr. Newton died. Actually, and I was alone and almost went to tears. Actually, I just kind of thought about thought about it. And what what would you say he meant to you? He was another father figure for me. To I mean, he. It was right after high school, though, there have been times, so I, I came over and, and volunteered and helped him out with the timing, though, a little bit, though, and, yeah. And do you um, talk to your nieces and nephews about running? Not as much, though, these days. But sometimes? Yeah, they're mostly baseball players, though. Yeah, in fact, they're both uh, really good pitchers. They're all, they're all good pitchers and good hitters, too. And do you, do you get to go see their games, then? Now and then, I do. 
And how do you think that what you learned in cross country could help them in baseball? Well, well that that's a, that's an excellent question. I'm not sure not sure how how to help them with that. Okay. So, anything else that you have like in your memory bank that you want to share about Mr. Newton or about your time running? And to be honest, I I'm not not sure what what is what to remember though. I mean, it's been so long since I since I saw him though. I mean, the last time I saw him was was his retirement. And are you glad that you got to run for Mr. Newton? I am. I do miss running a little bit, but yeah. Was that your favorite part about high school? It was. All right. So is there anything else you want to share about your experience with the team or with the movie or with the coach? No, that's all I can remember. Okay. We are going to transition now because we're going to talk to Peggy Fisher, who is a two-time parent for the York Cross Country team. She had two boys who ran for York. Joe, when did Joe graduate? He was part of the 2000 team. Joe was 2000, and then John was 2005's team, but he graduated in 2006. Yeah, you're going cross-country time, yeah. Right. Yes. Oh, maybe Joe was 1999 no, then. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's right. Cross-country, if you go that way, it's 1999. and then. Okay, so Joe was on the 99 team. John was on the 005 team, and right. both of them were featured in the movie. And so, as a mom, let's hear your perspective of this very strong-willed, masculine man and what do you think he taught your boys i appreciated the fact that he was sort of strong with the kids like it's it's a different time now different era different people think differently than we did, did then i i felt he instilled in them values that maybe not necessarily the parents could get through to them you know, like kids don't always listen to their parents, but I felt they had enough respect for Mr. Newton that they really did listen to him. And they sometimes kids need that kind of stronger influence. You know, kind of his personality was a little strong, yeah, masculine, as you said, yeah, for sure. And so, well, we know that Joe was dismissed from the team, which was a very strong move one week before the, the state meet. He got kicked he off. He wasn't dismissed. He just quit. He had made top seven, but he was unable to compete. Okay. So even though he took away this opportunity or the opportunity left, um, you still hold those beliefs that it was valuable for Mr. Newton to be the, the tough guy that he was for these young men. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had some really nice conversations with Mr. Newton. We understood where he stood. We agreed with his thoughts. Not that we didn't try to get the decision reversed, but we, in the end, we, including Joe, we all accepted it and he, we moved on from there. He did learn from his mistakes. That's for sure. Yeah. It's probably one of the hardest things he ever went through in his life. And then John, what was your feelings when John decided to join the team? Oh, I was excited. I was very happy. Um, with John being um, on the spectrum of autism, he needed the structure. And to this day, he's very structure-oriented. He has to know where he has to be, what time, when. You know, his, his life is very structured. And it was one of the best things that he could have gone through. You know, at that time, you know, Mr. Newton welcomed him and he was just per he was just what John needed, you know, for sure. 
And for John to end up being a good runner also was was a nice little plus. And what would you say is the secret to Coach Newton's success? Oh, that's a tough one. The secret. Um, I don't don't know if there was a secret for sure, per se, you know. There was nothing phony about him. I mean, he, he said what he thought. He, he meant what he said, and he instilled in all these kids strong values and, you know, respectfulness for each other and for him and to authority. You know, he, he taught them respect. Whether there's a secret to what he did, I, I, wish, I, would, I wish I'd known. <laughs> but, yeah, he was one of a kind, that's for sure. So... What was your first impression of him? Well, being that we lived in Elmhurst, we knew of Joe Newton. You know, everybody in Elmhurst knew Joe Newton even before our boys started running. So I was actually kind of excited to meet him, you know, to see who this legend, you know, what, what he was all about, you know. And I admired him, you know, that he had this, um, I, I don't know the word I'm looking for, as far as overall these young men, you know, there was something special about him. And I was, you know, I was very in awe of the whole thing. The movie came out almost 15 years ago now. And there's some clips in the movie of the coach, you know, yelling at kids, which was part of his whole mystique. It was also during a time before the iPhone. The iPhone didn't come out for like three years after we filmed it. And so today, those moments would very well get filmed and put on TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook, and they would get distributed. And so what are your thoughts on what would Joe Newton be like today? I think he'd probably go along with it. Like, I think he would tone it down. And I, because I even felt not even after John left. Um, I felt like some, we went to a couple state meets. I felt like he had toned down a lot of his, uh, mannerisms and things he would say only because out of respect probably to the families or whatever. Um, yeah, that would be hard for him, (laughs) but you know, back then, like I said, it, it, it never bothered me (laughs) the way he you know, he, he did swear, and, you know, it was, it was just him. It was, I'm from a different era, too, so, you know, parents today, I don't know how, how they probably would have a hard time with it, I think. So was that sure. part of his secret? To, yeah. be, to be not parents. phony and to be, speak with the, the truest language that rolls off your tongue? It could be, um... I'm not sure he was unique in that respect as far as coaches went in that era, that time, because there were no iPhones. I mean, we don't really know what went on, you know, with all the different coaches. But, I mean, if the kid, if there was an incident where the kids would complain about something, I'm sure you'd look into it. But the kids never had any issues or complaints or problems, you know. They weren't, they didn't seem offended by anything and... I think it kind of kept him all in line a little bit, <laughs> his, you know, his roughness or whatever. And in fact, my kids, they, they, like, they used to like to imitate him, you know, they'd laugh and say, you know, talk about some of the things he'd say and 
but out of respect, you know, they they really did respect everything he said, you know. So, yeah, it's today's definitely a different time. And did you grow up in Chicago? I actually grew up on the Grange Park. Okay, but Chicago so, land. Chicago suburbs, yeah. Okay. So what? My husband Doug actually went to York, and he had Mr. Newton as a gym coach. Oh wow! So you're <laughs> multi generational. Yes. And now you you now live in Florida. Yes. And was there something uniquely Chicago about Joe Newton? Hmm. I don't know. Or maybe I, Midwestern, I, yeah. perhaps. Like Vince Lombardi was a Midwestern coach. Mike Ditka. All these maybe. coaches. Maybe. I. You know, I have nothing to compare it with. My grandkids are starting sports now, but. Um, Definitely the rules are, you know, they can't yell, they can't say anything, they can't, you know, everything is, everybody does a great job, and, you know, you're, everything's good, you know, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's anything unique to Chicago, because he's really, he's coached all over. You know, since the movie's come out, a lot of coaches have criticized the film that it didn't give enough of the X's and O's of coaching. He, you know, had a specific mileage that he would require for the season. But beyond that, it wasn't like there wasn't a secret workout, but it was there was something else that was special about him. That was his and and Newton himself calls it tender, loving care. And that's what he gave every child. Every young man got a nickname. They knew they were welcome at every day when he shook their hand when they walked in. And he knew they knew going home that they were appreciated because he shook their hand on the way out. He did, and in fact, I think that, I think John's comment at the end of that, when he said, Mr. Newton loves everybody, I think that's true. I mean, you can see it. He, he personally takes an interest in every single one of those. He took an interest in every single one of the teammates there. You're right. He, he did know everybody's name. He could have 200 kids, and he knew every single one of their names, you know, or had a nickname for them, and he did take a personal interest in each one of those kids. As a parent, I appreciated that I felt he really did know my boys. And how would you describe the relationship that John had with Coach Newton? It was special. It really was. John did adore him. John loved him. He's never had a relationship like that, that he had with the cross-country team and Mr. Newton and Mr. Kern really since. That was another family form. You know, when he graduated and moved on, I, I felt like he lost a big part of that, you know. I mean, to this day, I think, because Dan, he's an old soul, and that's still such an important part of his life, you know. He's never really found that again since. He's fine, he's happy, he's moving on, but that will always be something very, very special to him. And I think that... Mr. Newton really appreciated John's specialness, too. Mm-hmm. He would almost, like, call on John quite often and let John kind of add color commentary to whatever conversation they were having. Right, because John spoke from the heart, you know? It was, he couldn't always, he still can't put everything into words, what he's really feeling, but he tried. You know, he really did, and I, and I appreciated that. We were so shocked to see him take a microphone and actually talk to the team, the, you know, that's something we never, ever thought he would ever do. And, and just Mr. Newton gave him the encouragement to do it, you know, just to say what was in his heart. So. 
So I guess there's a similarity there that neither of them say anything phony ever. Mm-mm. No, no. Jan is Jan's, Jan's, Jan's John, you know? And there's nothing phony about him at all, that's for sure. And Mr. Newt was the same way. Yeah, I felt that way. You know, it's, he was a hard guy to read, but I think if you were involved with him and the team and your kids were involved, you understood that relationship. You know, you kind of, you, you accepted it, but yet he was tender. He'd always give them a hug if they needed it or a, a loving word or a word of encouragement or, oh, you know, he, he, he could sense what the kids needed. If they needed a little roughness, he gave it to them. If they needed a little love, he gave it to them. And do you, um, do you have any f- memories of anything that he, that especially tender that he did for either John or Joe? Oh, I'm sure there was. There's plenty. I mean, one of the things that that stands out the most is it was actually Mr. Kern when he gave John his medal after the state tournament. You know, that will always stand out. I mean, John had a good relationship with Charlie too. That that's for sure. And the whole thing with Joe, the whole Halloween incident happened, and I felt he he handled it well. He talked to Joey. I think it made Joey feel better. Uh, I mean, that's just something Joe will always carry with him. You know, it's one of those missed chances for, for something silly, something ridiculous. But he's moved on, too. You know, every life goes on and probably learned from his mistakes, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that when we, when we interviewed Joe in, like, 2005, he had already really grown from it and processed it and learned from it and had an ability to articulate what he learned to a way that I feel like he could even easily teach John some things about those lessons. Oh, sure, sure. I don't know if you're even aware of this, but, you know, he was in the Coast Guard and he was stationed down here in Florida. And a high school coach from Florida, they were going to the Florida State meet, was going to show the movie before the meet, and he asked Joe to come and speak. Wow. Yeah, he tracked him down through the Coast Guard. Because oh, I think at the end of the movie, you had said he was, in, he was uh, serving in the Coast Guard in Tampa or something. And somehow or another, he, this coach was able to track him down and asked him to speak to the parents and the kids before the state meet. So something like, good came out of all that. You know? I want to know your perspective on John's famous quote. Cross-country is like life. What does that mean to you? To me, um, I'm sure John is a whole different, he probably has a whole different thought process than I do, but um, I think he looked at it like there's ups and there's downs and there's hardships and there's joys and everything in between, you know? I mean, those kids worked hard to get those, those place top seven spots, you know. And, and the joy of winning and the disappointment of losing and not making, you know, the cuts and the competition. and That's life. I don't know if kids know that nowadays, <laughs> that there is competition in life. And what do you think your boys would be like if they had never met Joe Newton? I really... I don't know. <laughs> and I know what he's done for my kids. If he wasn't in their life, how their life would be different. Who knows? 
you know. And do you have any Newtonisms that you refer to these days? We still talk about them quite a bit. And yeah, Joe, John and they, they between each other, they, they know the different Newtonisms. But I know there was a lot. There was the one about being kind. It's better to be, better to be nice or something. Like, yeah, that's one of my favorites. When Mr. Newton passed away, how did that sit with you? Oh, it was a loss. I mean, it just felt like part of your life, you know. It was it was sad. You know, we all felt we all felt the loss and very sad. We we miss him. You know, it's it, I felt bad that the kids in cross country today aren't going to won't have that experience that my kids had. You know, if your children ask for advice, you know, should we encourage your grandkids to play sports? I'm assuming you would encourage it, and I'm wondering why. What do you think is important about sports for young people? Um, t- teamwork and consequences of if you don't practice, if you don't try, it shows them failure, it shows them success. I think respect for others and just... I th- I just yeah I'd rather see my grandkids doing sports than almost anything you know I just feel it's good form I think it helps them understand and succeed in life you know just um, you know like you don't always win and you know there there are times when you do lose and that's okay you know it's you played a good game you worked hard and you should be happy for what you've accomplished but. I, my kids, my grandkids are all in sports, and I, I think it's great. Mostly in baseball and soccer right now. <laughs> so they're little still, though. End of the Long Green Line, John is really the character who closes up the movie and reinforces all of the themes of the film. Just wondering what that felt like for you guys to see it the first time. Oh, it just touched my heart, that line. I don't even think it shows John. It's just his voice where it just says, you know, Mr. Newton loves everybody, or loves all of us. It was just like, oh, you know, <laughs> just, yeah, that, the ending was great. Like I said, John hasn't had those relationships, a relationship like he had during that time with all his fellow teammates and coaches and, you know. In John's case, it was kind of sad he graduated high school. I wish it could have gone on longer, <laughs> But he enjoyed running in college, too. He just kind of felt like that's what he should do, you know. I should keep running, and I'm glad he did. And he had his friends from York there, and it was it worked out good. He actually did really well. But, yeah, that ending really <laughs> got to me. That was good. Good way of ending. <laughs> would you, how would you describe the role of a coach compared to the role of a parent? And where does one lead off and one starts up? Well, I mean, it starts with us, and then we only hope that when we send them out into the world that they, they follow through and continue the, the values that we've taught them and responsibilities and respect. And, but like I said, I think I said before, Mr. Newton, there was just a way about him that he could instill things and in, that they would listen more to him. Because he, he, he was a role model, like he, he accomplished so much. He was a s- successful person, coach, where sometimes in kids' eyes, 
that means more to them than, oh, that's just mom and dad. What do, you know? what do they know? <laughs> so he kind of, I guess they kind of take over for you in that little a more of a pedestal role model in their eyes, you know, put them up on a pedestal. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> what do you think was unique about Elmhurst that supported this team for over 50 years? Like I said, Doug grew up in Elmhurst. I moved there when we got married, so I was only in Elmhurst. I was in Elmhurst about 20 years, but I it was amazing. I mean, everyone knew about the York Cross Country team. Everyone knew about Joe Newton, you know, the parades, you know, everybody, somebody, I remember somebody saying, I always know it's fall when I hear that cross country parade go through town and, you know, it got to be a tradition. Could it have happened in any other town? I'm sure, you know, wherever, I think Mr. Newton, it was more Mr. Newton than it was Elmhurst. But I was appreciative of the fact that the city did, um, you know, cooperate and, you know, worked with the school to honor these kids like that with those parades and letting them open up the school and have the big pep rallies. And that was great. Do you think that was a big motivating factor for John and Joe? Like the pomp and circumstance of the tuxedos, the parades, the tradition that went with the York Downstate program? Oh, for sure. Especially, I think, more Joey than I think John. It was just so cool to be wearing the suits and the jackets and the ties and the, getting the tuxes. And yeah, they strive for that, to be part of the top 12, to be able to do that. And the tradition, the whole tradition of going down and going to the movie and eating in the same restaurants as all the other past cross-country runners. And yeah, that was something pretty exciting for them. They also had the same menu, which was like dry toast, yeah. no butter, maybe one jam, an orange juice. Oatmeal? Wasn't it oatmeal? Oatmeal. Yeah, it was a very specific set of, and Mr. Newton would go to the restaurant and say, this is the only thing you're serving these kids. They used to always go to Hardee's afterwards. That was the after game menu. <laughs> yeah, it used to be like the, the team would go to the pep rally or the award ceremony, which was at Peoria High School. Right. Yeah. And all the York fan buses would go there too. And they would take over like half of the gymnasium. Oh, yeah. Jenny, my daughter was a cheerleader. They would go. Um, yeah, it was, it's the whole pomp and circumstance. Yeah, that was, that was York. And it was great the school cooperated with that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah again, we were excited. You know, we got the little corsages. <laughs> the moms, we got our big corsages. And it was fun. And didn't the parents time. all always stay at the Holodome? Well, I would change name. It always wasn't a Holodome. Then the last year, I think John's senior year, they, had, they were at some hotel in downtown Peoria. It was a, for the first time we were in a different hotel. It was kind of weird. <laughs> I'm not sure. I can't remember the circumstances, though, why we ended up at this place downtown or if we couldn't get the room. I don't know. Who knows? Good times. Good times. <laughs> it's a full, you know, an organizational, it's a fascinating thing. I mean, I, was, I went downstate, I think, my first year my sister ran, and I was in, like, sixth grade. And I got my whole first experience was from the Holodome with my parents. <laughs> yeah. So I got to go swimming, and I got to go to the thing, and... And I think like yeah. all the, the older kids, like the like some of the, the kids who were like in high school but not running, they were down there. And 
running yeah. around, you know, hotel room to hotel room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. So some of those kids, even their parents let them go down by themselves. And so, yeah, I guess they figured there was enough parents around, but whatever. Yeah. I think they were definitely always teenagers being teenagers in those hotel yeah, rooms. Yeah, always, always. Yeah. I'm kind of glad I'm done with all that stuff. You'd say, like, you know, the, the most, the, the greatest impact he's had on your sons, what would you say it is? He was, he was just an important part of their life. He was a role model. He was somebody that they both looked up to and admired, and he was just special to them. He's just somebody they'll always hold dear to them, you know, forever, I think. He was just somebody really important to them. Cool. Um... I think I'm going to wrap up there. Thank you so much, Peggy Fisher, for meeting and, and having this conversation about your, your sons and Coach Newton. Again, you had a class of 2000 graduate and a 2006 graduate, and both sons are featured in the film. And we are really grateful for the incredible you know, impact your sons have had. And John, especially with the way he was able to articulate from his perspective, the exact message of 50 some years of Joe Newton was really, really wonderful. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. He's, John's a great kid. He's not a kid anymore, but <laughs> he, uh, he, that was, that was really his life. Cross country was life for John Fisher. That's for sure. <laughs> I know John's got a 5 a.m. work call tomorrow. Yeah. Did you want to say something to him? Or? That was great to see you, John. Nice to see that you're doing so well. And you got to send us some pictures on those jet skis. Oh, uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, if I could take any. But I got to be careful, though, because if it gets too choppy, though, it. Uh, I don't want to lose my phone. It's <laughs> right. right. You got to talk to the guys in the Coast Guard and see if they'll take some photos for you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know if my brother still has any uh, friends that are still active in the Coast Guard down there anyway. He does, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'll have to reach out to them. Well, it was great to see you all. It's great to catch up. Thank you so much for sitting down. Same to you, Matt. So, so again, this is Matty Arnold closing out the Long Green Line podcast for today. Thank you to the Fishers for sitting down and talking to us. And we will be signing off now. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Long Green Line podcast. Please subscribe, comment, and share these episodes with your friends. Every time you engage with our podcast, more listeners are able to find us. You can find us at www.longgreenlinemovie.com. I love what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing.